Most entrepreneurs waste an insane amount of time trying to build their business. They are online 24-7, sacrificing their private life and burning out in the process. This is going to end right now. Welcome to the Content Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Virginia Reassis. I'm a serial entrepreneur, copywriter, business coach, and recovered workaholic. I know what it takes to go from burnt out and overwhelmed to building a six-figure business, posting only once a week and working less than five hours per day. My secret? Cutting out all the crap that doesn't move the needle forward in your business and producing content that actually attracts clients and gets you paid while living your best life. Want to create a business and a life you love? Sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you. Hello, hello, and welcome. Today, I have a really special guest. I've been following her on social media for the longest time. I'm obsessed with everything she shares and every single reel she does. I'm like, yep, that sounds familiar either for <laughs> me or one of my clients or all of my clients. I know if you have children, you need to know Morgan. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the show with me. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, please take a second to like introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the work that you do. That is so, so, so important. Sure. So say my credentials, I have a master's in human development and family science and a PhD in psychology. And I have been in the field of relationships for around 15 years now. I've actually worked with my dad for the first 12 or so of those years. And what we've done and what I specialize in is taking psychological theory and research and translating it into practical tools. Because I think it's great. Like, it's great to understand a theory. It's great to understand a research finding. But if you can actually put something tangible to use in your life, then it's worthless information. And so that's really where I specialize is creating practical tools. And I talk a lot about burnout and the mental load, specifically for moms. And my heart for this topic came <laughs> it's really developed because I struggled with it. Like I struggled so hard, especially in early motherhood with just feeling buried by all the stuff that I needed to do frustrated because my partner was just like not on the same page with a lot of things. And there's a whole story to that, but, and just lost in it, like completely lost in motherhood. And I knew that someday I would eventually come up for air and I wanted to take my skill set and help moms. Yeah. Oh my God, you just, now I know why I resonate so much with you. <laughs> what I love is the pragmatism and applicability of the advice that you give on social media. And tell me a little bit, like, why is it specifically that you recognize this mental load and the struggles when you, when you became a mom? Like what, what mm -hmm. happened there where you, you were fine before you just didn't notice well, yeah, I mean, I, I think my story is like a lot of other people's story. So I'll talk about mine, but I think most women will relate. And that's that, you know, before kids, I still think a lot of times we're the ones carrying the mental load. We're the ones doing the things, keeping that mental list running in our minds, keeping track of stuff, stocking the house, all of that stuff. But after you become a mom, it is literally overnight that all of the responsibilities just 
increase. I mean, it's literally overnight. All of a sudden you have somebody to keep alive. You have like a whole nother set of things to keep track of in terms of stock, like run out of diapers. Have you done that? That's horrible. Like it sucks. You have like all of these things. And then we have like hormones and all this other stuff that plays a part in terms of upping our stress and our feeling of um, protectiveness over our baby. And so I think that part of it is just the amount of responsibilities that increase so quickly that really can become overwhelming. And even, I mean, we're talking about it a lot more now on social media and different realms, but I didn't anticipate that. And it's such, it's such a silly thing to miss, but I did not anticipate the burden of the things I needed to carry and would have to carry after kids. And I think moms are really good at taking it all on. And we set sort of this precedent where our partners are often kind of like left on the side and not required to jump in as much. And so we end up carrying the bulk of it. Yeah. Can, let's define really quickly the term mental load for yeah. one of the listeners who's not familiar with it. So the mental load is the running to-do list of things that that research says it's predominantly carried by women that we kind of carry around in our heads. And there's a couple key factors. So one is that it's predominantly invisible. So it's like things like it's just simple things, even like toilet paper, like showing up in your house. Nobody else thought about it, but you're like this like ninja behind the scenes getting all of these things done. It's also involves things like the worry work. We notice something in our kids and we're like, oh, I need to research that, read a book about it, figure that out, come up with a strategy. Like we're the ones doing a lot of that invisible behind the scenes stuff. And then the another key factor is that it takes up, I call it mental real estate. It takes up space in our brains. And I think this is a huge piece of why we feel really burnt out and overwhelmed a lot of the time is that it crowds out room for other things in, in our minds and in our life. And like the easiest one to grab is like feeling in the mood for sex. If you're in bed, super overwhelmed and carrying this to-do list and this, all of these worries and all these things that you want to get done, bringing that into the bedroom, it can be really hard to get in a sexy state of mind. Yeah. I think a lot of people will probably, or specifically a lot of women will relate to that. It is something that motherhood has really brought to the forefront for me as well, mm -hmm. especially in the context of building my business. I think more than anything, I call this like managing my capacity, like my yeah. mental capacity to actually think of crap. Like, yes. <laughs> I, like if I'm, as I was scaling my business last year, I had a really, really tough time. And my, baby ju we just lost our child care spot and i had navigated six months of trying to get my baby settled there and when i say baby i mean she was like two so but it's not a baby baby <laughs> I, I was home with her for two years and i was managing my business and being home with her so i was already pretty tired and then six months of like this this emotional roller coaster of going there and being like, yeah, it's going to work out. Today is going to was better. Yesterday was better. So today is going to be even better. And then being sent home. No, it didn't work. And like this fourth and back, it was so draining and it had the most in, like insane impact on where I was mentally and emotionally and for my business as well. Like I had the biggest income dip. 
I was the crankiest person. I was yes. crying a heartbeat. And I mean, it was just mind blowing, mind blowing. And my husband and I, we had to like divide like our work time then, but still like I could feel it, it impacted me so much more because I was always sitting there in front of the room waiting. Can I go home with her, without her? Yeah. <laughs> if I go home, will I be called back? Oh my gosh. Like so many of these concepts that are just like floating around on social and things like that really integrate and in really helpful way. But it's like Instagram specifically is not meant to like do this like long form stuff. But I did a reel yesterday about self-regulation and what that and I feel like you're talking about that and it all connects with the mental load and with burnout and all of this stuff. But another word for it, I talk about this actually in my book. I have a whole chapter about this, but another word for it is willpower. Another word for that is energy, like however you understand it best. But we all have a limited amount of ability to like control our emotions and keep our cool and be patient and do all this stuff that's like really required of us in motherhood. And we all have different amounts. So like some people have a huge amount of ability to do this. And some people are like, I just don't have very much. And what we need to understand about this is that all the things that are part of the mental load, so the decision-making, the remembering, all the stuff that takes up space in our minds depletes our energy through the day. Throw in lack of sleep and being a parent depletes our energy. Throw in work stuff. I mean, work stuff, I, I know it does probably for you. For me, it takes up a ton of space. Being a creator takes up a ton of energy. Managing your emotions, managing frustration towards your partner, all of these things starts to deplete that energy. And I, it makes sense to me when you're like, I could cry so easily. I was super grumpy. I didn't have as much to give to my business. Yeah. Like you were operating probably with very little capacity to regulate very little space in your mind to fit all this stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. I saw your reel and you used the measurement tape as an example. Like yeah. it's running on less than an inch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. And I'm sure you were never really, especially with littles, like you probably were never fully replenishing your energy each day. So starting at like a deficit, you're just kind of white knuckling it probably during that time. Yeah. Back in the day, I, I didn't know you at that time, but I actually was really lucky. I had a client who was a mom coach and technically her focus was slightly more towards like creating time and space and energy so that you could take care of your health. And yes. I, that's what I, what I would need. <laughs> yes. But I actually really just learned to navigate all the chaos with her. And that is what I feel like saved my life and probably my baby's life too, because I was hella resentful at that time. I was like, why do we have this kid? It was such a hard time, man. Yeah. And it really, really changed so much with how I looked at motherhood and looked at motherhood and mm -hmm. running my business. And that is how I know how life-changing this work is. And I'm so, so, so excited that it gets more talking time on the yes. internet and that there are books being written about it. Tell me more about your book. Like, what exactly yeah. is it about? And... What can, yeah. what can women get out of it? 
So I, I first want to respond to something you said, because I think what you said was so important and I just want to call it out. So you said, I was feeling resentful. Like, why did we have this baby? My experience in motherhood was changing. And I think this is another piece that leads to burnout that's not talked about very much, which is that you kind of had this layered experience. So you're experiencing just like the regular parts of life that were stressful and overwhelming. And then on top of it, you were feeling like you didn't even really like probably having a kid and being a mom. Also, that's normal to feel those things. Like you can love your kids and feel those things, I think. But what happens is when we feel those things or think those thoughts, we judge them and we judge ourselves because they're kind of ugly thoughts, even though they're normal. And so on top of the regular stress and overwhelm, on top of those thoughts, we layer in guilt and shame and like trying to manage the disconnect between what we thought motherhood would be like and what we're actually experiencing in our reality. And that gap, the distance between those two things is an energy suck. It's where resentment, frustration, all of those things really start to develop in a big way. And so I think it's important. I talk, I do talk about this in my book, so I can tell you about that. But the way that we think about ourselves, the way we see ourselves, our self-concept, the way we judge ourselves and talk to ourselves, all of these things have a huge impact on how we experience motherhood and how quickly we burn out because they drain our energy and it feels crappy. Like, and it's, it's a cycle. It's like, I hate how I am and I'm exhausted and I hate how I'm coming off right now. And then because I hate how I am, I'm more likely to like be irritable and to snap at people, which then feeds this belief that I suck at motherhood and all of this stuff. So it, it becomes really a powerful place for intervention. It's just shifting how we see ourselves. So Sorry, I had to say that because it's such a it's such a big piece. I don't hear people talking about it. But my book is called Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. It's available for pre-order now anywhere you buy books online. Comes out in September. And it is really like a complete redefinition of self-care and an actual tangible plan for how you do it. Because I think of self-care as not just the physical aspects of of things. Like you're talking about this health coach, like that's such an important piece. That's a lot of physical stuff. And that's a part of self-care, like get your nails done, take a bubble bath, go exercise. But there's all these other pieces, like how we relate to our emotions and how we see ourselves and our willpower stuff. And so I define self-care as having a relationship with yourself and how you manage that relationship. And so I give moms a really practical, because it's so important to me, practical plan for how they manage their relationship with themselves and, and, and how to do it in a very limited amount of time. And so we're not you know, seeking, you know, I get so annoyed when people talk about trying to find balance. I'm like, balance doesn't exist, people. You're setting yourself up for failure. But it teaches you to normalize falling out of touch with yourself, but then also gives you a way to get back in touch. And we have to get really good at doing that in the moment over and over again. And so my book is a plan for that. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pre-order that because I think... (laughs) It's generally a topic that I'm so, so, so interested in. And I would say the last year or so, I've done so much of that inner work. So while I didn't guilt or shame myself in that moment, I definitely know what that looks like before I worked with 
several coaches before I've ever been coached in anything. I definitely knew people pleasing. I knew mom guilt. I I've had, I've had that experience for sure. Before I actually started coaching, I had my, my first, my first born. So I would, I would feed these narratives, but with, with the coaching and with the practice and like the inner work and like actually getting to know myself, that all changed and shifted so much. And you're a hundred percent right. Like our, our self-talk is so important and so crucial. Mm-hmm. A huge part for me was this confusion in the past where I would feel bad when I was with my kids because I felt like I was no longer giving 100% to my work because obviously Mm -hmm. you can't give 100% to your work when you have Mm -hmm. a responsibility right and when I was with my work I was like well now I'm not with my kids Mm -hmm. so that didn't 100% feel right but actually felt still better than this feeling of like, well, now I'm flaking on my work because I was in a very like career oriented, focus driven environment, super competitive. So it was normal in my world to always give like a hundred percent to your work. And now suddenly I had these other little humans in my life that require (laughs) my time and my energy and my presence. When before I was only used to being a workaholic and yeah, giving a hundred percent or more of my energy to my work and then compensating otherwise. Yes. And that was like such a, <laughs> like such you a have to shift. shift. Yeah. Like it put me like really into this emotional dilemma of like what I believed my whole life. I had to be mm-hmm. like, and do like in at work was just like not an option at all. So I had to like actually make a full identity shift there. That's yes. Like you're like speaking right into my book content. So I give five steps for managing your relationship with yourself. And the first one is about how you know. So you're hitting on two in my mind. They kind of, they all start to integrate and work together. But the first one is to know yourself deeply. And you talked about that a minute ago and you're talking about it again, which is that you know, there is this shift that can occur after we become moms in our values and like having to rearrange things. Because when we live inconsistent with things like, you know, what we value, what brings us meaning, what we believe is important, we're like, who the heck are we? Like, I don't even recognize myself right now because I always thought work was like the most important thing. And that's what I value. And now I can't actually live that out. And so when we are living inconsistently with the way that we used to see ourselves, we feel lost in motherhood. So like there's a whole chapter, the way the book is written is it goes deep and then it kind of comes out and then gives you practical tools. And then all of the concepts are actually explained through stories, stories with my kids, and then also then how you apply it to yourself. But that's one piece I think is really important that you're hitting on. And then the other is how we prioritize. I mean, there is, it's such like, we know this, but we have to keep relearning things sometimes at different phases of our life. But like, there's pain in prioritizing sometimes. And I've never felt that as strongly after becoming a mom and being like, oh my gosh, like, I just can't do it all like I want to 
well, because I can't be all the things at the same time. When you prioritize one thing, you're going to naturally deprioritize something else. And it's like, we have to learn that that's okay. And we can come back and like balance the scales later. But I, I remember like looking at outside where she was sitting, our daughter, Effie, she's, I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old and her just crying because I needed them to leave for the weekend so I could finish my book. And I was like, she's crying and I'm feeling like, you know, I write in the, I write the story in the book and I'm like, I didn't actually feel guilty because at that moment, like we had decided as a family that there's going to be a short-term sacrifice for a goal that was really important to me and a project that's really important to me. And there is some pain in that reprioritization. And I, and then, she was upset about it. And, you know, but the thing is, is that when I would zoom out and look at the totality of like how I show up for my kids and and all of these things, I'm mostly there. <laughs> like I'm mostly prioritizing them. And so I think understanding that these things are kind of always in motion, but we have a lot of agency in how we arrange our priorities and how we live them out. And so anyway, the book walks through really practical strategies for that too. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I love that you said we as a family decided that this is a priority that's really important to you. So mm-hmm. we as a family decided we're going to make space for that priority. Yeah. I think there are two things that I find really, really interesting. So you said you didn't feel any guilt because mostly you're there for your kids. Funnily enough, I never really felt the guilt for my children because I agree, like mostly I'm there for my children. I felt guilt towards my partner because I'm like, I know it's so hard to be with the kids by yourself. And it, like that really took a kick in the butt from one of my yeah. coaches being like, <laughs> yeah, it's really, you're right. It's really hard to be with both kids alone uh, for several hours. And you do that every single day because you only work until 2 p.m. And then you're with the kids for the rest of the day until he comes down at, from the office at like 6.30 p.m. So you yeah. taking half an hour or even just one hour to like go for a walk or take a break and you feel guilty that you leave him alone for that time when you just spend at least five hours alone (laughs) with them and I'm like yeah because I know how hard it is but I was taking responsibility for him that just isn't my responsibility he's an adult if he really needs a break after work he can say like hey today has been a really rough day Mm -hmm. Like, I really need, like, to take a break before I take the kids. And then you can, as a family, as you said, decide together, like, okay, who needs a break more urgently or who can, who can, who can be okay taking the break second, right? And then you can have a solution for that. I mean, I think a lot of your listeners are going to resonate with that, which is something that, I mean, I'm not sure the exact reason why specifically for you, you felt that guilt. I have like all sorts of hypotheses why we feel guilt and things like that. But I do think the actual outcome is one that a lot of women do. And this is another, and it's not blaming because I think the mental load has all sorts of roots, but like this desire to like be the buffer for our partner to protect them from the hard is one way that we end up really carrying a big amount of the burden. I did the same thing. Like I did it for way too long. And then I got to the point where I was like, 
about to blow, you know, and feeling really frustrated and resentful and like wanting to have a pity party. How come I never get a break? Right. I was like, enough, enough of this. I'm not going to live this way anymore. And, and the funny part is, and I know this isn't the case for every partner, but I'd say the majority of partners, the funny part is, is like, they're happy to, to, to let you take it. Like they're happy. It's like, they don't necessarily, some partners will gripe about this, but a lot of partners are like happy to weather it are happy to like jump in when you really make that known and make space for that and allow them. And I mean, gosh, the one of the best things you can do when you have kids is from the beginning, invite your partners in to do stuff. Like invite, like have, throw them into the deep end because you're thrown into the deep end. We're the ones figuring it out as we go, bring them into that space, let them figure it out right alongside you. And you'll be way better off as you guys develop as parents together. Yeah. Let's touch on something that you you said earlier. Some people call it energy. Some And I actually define energy in business, at least. Like, if you are too tired to cook yourself a healthy meal for mm -hmm. yourself or your family at the end of the day, you spend too much energy in your business. And I find in motherhood, the question of energy is huge. Like, huge. Because when a lot of the time, with kids... With kids, you can't just say, well, I'm too tired to actually do things. I actually need a break. Now, for example, if you're a single mom or if you're alone mm -hmm. or both partners are tired, like you can't just say, I'm going to call it a day and I'm going to go sleep now because I need sleep and rest and recharge my batteries. If the kids are still, I don't know, bouncing around the living room on like, I don't know, a gallon of Coke. At <laughs> <the same>. <laughs> <laughs> it is the favorite treat that my... <laughs> that someone in my family likes to treat my kids to. And it's like, I, <laughs> it's my personal nightmare. Like, it's such a nightmare. I feel real. On a full bottle of Coke. And oh uh, my gosh. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, I've made it very clear that if that happens after like 3 PM, I will not bring them to sleep. That family member gets to do that. So no, I think if he feeds them Coke, he owns them for the day. Like that should be the deal. <laughs> like you want to treat them, they're yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, my husband learned that lesson fairly fast because I just, I'm like, I do, I do not parent. Like under these circumstances, I will not parent. I, I will not have an opinion. You do you, do you honey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that topic w was over after like a week. But when we go visit our extended family, yeah, so... It's not mommy and daddy bringing the kids to sleep. <laughs> but the topic of like energy, I find that so, yeah. so, so interesting because for me, that was a huge cause of like my resentment and my burnout was because I would not give myself breaks and I would just keep going and going and going until mm -hmm. there was nothing left to run on. Like not even an hour of drawing would have <laughs> or a walk would have yeah. been enough to recharge my batteries. Like what techniques do you have to to fuel back up on energy? Or what do you do when you're alone and you're just exhausted? Or like, I feel like it's the village that's missing in those contexts for me. But yeah, do you have any like practical strategies or tips that someone could do when they're like, I'm just so exhausted at 4 p.m., 5 p.m. And then I have my kids and I'm like, so done. <laughs> It's so true. And I think what you're saying too is like a lot of times, and I hear this over and over again, we're so depleted that by the time 
we actually have that moment, like it does nothing. It's like, we're too far gone. Like sitting down for five minutes will not refill my empty bucket. So, and I think another thing I hear a lot is that by the time we get a moment alone, we're so depleted, we don't even know what to do with it. And so it's like, what do I do I take get something off of my to-do list? Do I do something for work? Do I just sit here and try to be quiet, but I'm so anxious because I got so many things I got to do. So there's like all of these barriers, if you if you want to say. But part of the goal, like in my book and, and how I think about self-care, part of the goal is to get in a regular practice of making minor shifts in how you relate to yourself all through the day. So it becomes almost automatic way of being because when you do that, you can stop some of those energy leaks. So if you notice, and it sounds like you do really well with this, but if you notice that you are really beating yourself up about how you handled something with your kids earlier, learning how to quickly reset your mindset where you focus on how you like call out certain qualities about yourself and minimize, you know how we do that where we like focus in on the stuff that we think sucks about us. And then we take all the good stuff and we push it, we negate it, push it to the background. So learning how to shift our mindset in the moment, learning how to align with who we think we are and we feel out of touch with ourselves. So I think these small shifts is really that answer to like coming back to life in motherhood is getting really good at doing this because it can be integrated into your day. But to give you something practical, I think there's all sorts of little things. So for me, something that's been really helpful is paying attention to transitions. It sounds like you, you have a lot of transitions in your life. I think a lot of moms do, but like the transition from my work life to back into mom mode, back into my partner travels a lot. So we all have a lot of transitions of him leaving, coming home and kind of like trying to reintegrate him, which is always really interesting. And so really being mindful of these transitions, because I find that there's some of the most stressful moments. So giving yourself a little bit of buffer, even if it's just a couple minutes to like reset and center before you transition into like another role versus just like like spinning through your day, which is what so many, many of us do, just like one thing to the next thing. So allow some space for transitions. Another thing is I did a reel about it today and it's, it's so cliche, but it's like actually really life-changing, which is to just move slower through your day. I think sometimes we get really amped up and it's really hard to find any rest that feels good even if we're resting because we're so cranked up inside. And so I actually do like, I do these things. I do like experiments on myself where I try concepts out. So like for a week, I try to move like slow and like I drove the speed limit, which is really hard for me because I'm like, I'm a fast driver and I drove the speed limit. I like moved and I felt like a new person and like everything got done stuff got done like I was happier with the kids nobody was late like it was fine but I felt better and I felt like my nervous system was under control and another one that is like my favorite and also a little cliche but sheesh it helps is like anytime I am desperate like I am desperate I have no energy left. The kids are like fighting on the couch or something and I need to shift the mood. I think moods in a home are like a big deal. They're infectious. We have playlists that we put on and we just dance it out and it every time never fails. It works. So those are my like quick hacks. <laughs> love it. I love it. Yes, you mentioned transitions and experiments. I resonate with that so deeply. 
I don't know if you've seen them on social media, but I actually got bunnies. You got bunnies? Yes, I have three bunnies. <gasps> oh, my kids yeah. would be so jealous. <laughs> Man, it was harder than I expected to keep them alive. We were very unlucky. We were advised wrong and like the fox got the first one. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like heartbroken because I love bunnies. So I built my own fox-proof bunny barn and <laughs> loved it. But I actually, one of the main reasons I got it, I got bunnies. They're, they're not really like for small kids. So like the kids mm-hmm. are actually not able to enter the bunny barn without me. But I got them to slow me down in my life. They're like my emotional support buns. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because they bring me out into nature, connection to nature, physical touch. And you can't move fast around bunnies. They'll just get too scared and go hide. So it's like you sit down, you slow down. And I have to go out multiple times a day to go feed them. And it was a very intentional decision to create an environment where I can't just let my, I used to be a workaholic in the past. So where I can't let those tendencies run rampant Yes, through that self-awareness of like, okay, well, what do I actually need to be happy? What do I need to find peace in my life? I was like, okay, well, I need connection to nature. I need physical touch. Mm. I, I need to be outside. That's one of the most, the easiest way for me to regulate. So my transitions in the morning before I start work, I drop the kids off. Well, I, my husband or I drop either one of those two kids off (laughs) to different places now. And then I go to my bunnies first and then I start work and then Mm -hmm. I go to my bunnies again and then I pick up the kids and, at night, I go to my bunnies and then I have my evening call or my evening. Okay. <laughs> now I want bunnies. <laughs> it's so, so smart. <laughs> so I just create like some, some spaciousness in my, in my life and yep. to be super, super attentive with mm, how much energy do you still have left? If, if it's like, if it's mm-hmm. like, like how much is still in there checking in multiple times a day in between being like, well, what do you need right now? Do you need rest? Do you need a break? Do you need yes. bunnies snuggles? <laughs> totally. Well, I think, I mean, this isn't my term, but I read this in a book once and I thought it was so smart, but she talked about tending. And that's kind of, it's like these, these tasks in our life that slow us down that we can actually get a lot of enjoyment out of. And it sounds like that's part of what you do too with the bunnies, which is so sweet of just like tending to your bunnies. And it's like slow and relaxing. And like, sometimes I feel this way when I'm doing, if I'm doing dishes alone, it's like really enjoyable to just be unbothered, like leave me alone with my dish soap, right? And just like these tending rituals can be really powerful. So I think it's very smart. Irony. I'm like, that's my mom's spa. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's bunnies. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a real spa. We have to, we have to reinvent that. And yeah, like what you're saying too is like part of these practices require that you pause enough to tune into you and like, what, what do I need? in this moment? Do I need to slow down? Do I actually need to get out in the sunshine and move my body? Do I, you know, tuning into you is really what is required of us moms to do. And so, and it's such common sense, but like, I cannot tell you, I mean, how many days have you ever gone through? I know I've gone through lots where it's like, 
I like basically don't exist to myself some days. And so we have to get really good at pausing enough to, to check in and see what we need. Yeah. That was definitely me the first 28 years of my life until, yeah, yeah I would say until I had my son, but then I was still okay until I had my son and then started coaching at the same time. And I yeah. was like, oh, okay. This is not working. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it, that was definitely one of the things. My last question for you, how are you passing this on to your children and setting mm. them up for one day being parents, probably, maybe, hopefully, if they choose to be themselves? Are you That's a good question. talking to them about what you do? Are you sharing your intentions? Is there anything happening I'm like a narrator of a mom, like probably I'm annoying sometimes to my, our son especially needs like real quick phrases and I'm very not quick with my phrases, but I think part of what I do is I narrate a lot of things. So, oh my gosh, our, our son's hilarious. So he knows what the mental load is. Even this morning, he heard a reel pop on where I say it. And he's like, enough with the mental load. You need a new name for it. So like our kids, we talk a lot. We talk about what it means to be a mom. We talk about like the the both ands, the beautiful parts of it, and then the tricky parts. And so I try to provide like a lot of frameworks for them for understanding parenthood in modern times and all that we're juggling. And, and I narrate out things like how we make decisions or how I prioritize. Like there are days, one thing I do to give myself more margin is I have a sitter pick them up from school. And there are times where I pick them up and I'll narrate out, you know, sometimes we have to shift our priorities because something, you know, I'm feeling a little disconnected and I really want to hear about your day in the car. And so I, that's one thing. It's like I narrate to provide constructs and frameworks around some of these things we're talking about. So they start to just like integrate information and make sense of their world. I think a lot of times with kids, they need to learn how to make sense of what they're witnessing and seeing. So I try to fill in a lot of the gaps. Another thing is that I'm very intentional about taking time for myself when they're around and letting them know why that's important. And so, I mean, if and my kids are older, so it's easier for me to do this now. But like if they're playing, I'll say, guys, I'm heading. We have like stuff in our garage to exercise or whatever. I'm going down to the garage. I'll be there for 30 minutes. Don't come get me unless it's an emergency. Like it's important that I have time to take care of myself too. So I think modeling, filling in gaps for them through conversation, all of these things. And then the stuff I talk about in my book. So like this concept of how you see yourself and talk to yourself. I'm constantly talking with the kids about their self-concept. So one of the premises is the book of the book is that we have to mother ourselves like we mother our kids and that a lot of the skill sets we already put to use in our relationships with our kids. And so I give examples of how we do that. And it's like, okay, but you got to like turn that towards you. So I think a lot of these things are part of just our day-to-day -day rhythms and, and how I parent. Well, I think society and life in general for us has changed a lot in the last 50, 100, 200 years. Yeah. And like even just our moms, like my mom was a stay at home mom and like we can't go by what we were modeled. And I think it's so beautiful that you provide the context for your children to understand why you make certain decisions and why you live motherhood or parenthood the way you do and how your partner does probably. 
in the context of like what it's like to be a family in in the in in our modern times right because we live in villages we've moved to the cities we've had industrialization and we our families have gotten like smaller more towards the nuclear family Mm -hmm. rather than being like this huge extended family with tons of people to rely on and if you don't have time your aunt or your uncle or your grandma or someone else in the family will be available so I think that's really really beautiful you you're really setting them up for success and that is something that I hope a lot of the listeners can take away from this call too and hopefully they can get your book I'm going to drop that link in the show notes as well. <laughs> Thank you. Because, yeah, like, this is something that I really want, want to see more I, more of. I want, I want to see women who are aware of what their responsibilities are and what they're not responsible for. Women who can live guilt-free and find really, like, true happiness and live mm-hmm. their dreams and their purposes and build businesses and do all the things without having to sacrifice themselves or living in that narrative that they should have to in order to get what they want because that's really not true at all so thank Mm -hmm. you so 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 much Morgan this this conversation has been so inspiring and (laughs) like life giving to me (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me it's been so fun to chat with you yeah I'm so happy we got to share you on the show and Everyone, please, please, please do follow Dr. Morgan Cutlip on Instagram. Do you also have like freebies or something? That- yes. Yeah. Thank you. I know I was, you read my mind. You can find it by going to my website, which is mylovethinks.com. And it's right in the main banner. You can find it all over my Instagram. But I have a bundle of gifts for moms, which are four e-guides. And one, I actually have an audio as well, because that's that's how I consume my content. Everything is audio. So I'm trying to put everything in that format for people. And so the guides are like the things I see moms struggling with the most. So one is on mom guilt. One is on how to talk to your partner about the mental load. I think that one's really comprehensive. It even talks about if they get defensive, what do you say? How do you navigate that? And then it's scripts for support, like how to ask for support and give support. And then also 30 ideas to recharge when you don't have any time. Sounds amazing. Okay. Thank you so, so, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm so excited to keep following your journey and to see your book in real life laying on my nightstand. (laughs) Thank you so much. Content loungers, listen up. This is your chance to ditch the hustle and take a massive leap in your business and your income. This month, one of you guys is going to work with me one-on-one and together we will create a content strategy that turns you into a client and money magnet without working more. This is valued at over $2,000. And to get in on this, simply leave me a five-star review, take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram. Wishing you all massive success in your business. See you next week. And until then, sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you.